With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Speaking on the issues that impact, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're back. We're back. We're into the second hour of this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us. Uh, Nadia Clark from the Workers' Party of Britain uh, talking about the great victory by George Galloway uh, in the UK by by uh, by election for Parliament for Rochdale. Looking forward to seeing more of George on a big screen, certainly uh, wreaking havoc amongst the Labour uh, Quislings and Tory Quislings uh, in the House of Commons. That will be great for a change. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Now, uh, we're going to be joined uh, in a moment by uh, veteran Middle East journalist Leila Haitoum uh, on the ground in Beirut. Uh, she's got some very, very good insights on this very, very tragic uh, scene that we saw in Gaza uh, with the flower massacre. They're calling it the flower massacre. The details of this are, again, still coming in. But uh, it seems that uh, aid arrived and was used to kind of attract uh, Palestinians to come to a point uh, in which uh, the Israeli defense forces, as they're called, or occupation forces, uh, open fire on the crowd of uh, hungry people. Uh, really unbelievable, incredibly sinister. The implications of this story, uh, listen, on their own, uh, warrant a, a full investigation indictment by the International Criminal Court of anybody involved are we going to actually see that happen i don't know we might depends on whether there's enough international outrage uh, on this story as well so we uh, look forward to talking to leila Hatoum to get a little more of a fix on where this story is at what happened how it happened we'll get some of the details from her uh in just a moment as we bring her uh, on the line uh, to give us some updates uh, on this and a bit of analysis as well so we look forward to that and uh in just a few minutes as well bottom of the half an hour we're going to go to the new york southern district of new york federal courts with matthew russell lee from inner city press uh and there was a kind of a sub interesting supreme court uh potential ruling here uh which really is going to throw the whole lawfare campaign against donald trump into disarray jack smith special prosecutor he's struggling to grapple with this potential supreme court decision regarding presidential immunity more on that uh in the final segment of the second hour uh, but let's go over to leila Haitoum right now veteran middle east journalist based in beirut uh leila thank you for joining us i know you haven't got much sleep uh in the last 24 hours uh, you've been working very hard to raise awareness and to raise money to help the people and feed the people of uh, Palestine, of Gaza. You guys are running a telethon on X Twitter as well. So our hats are off to you and your colleagues. You guys are working really hard. So we appreciate you uh, joining us on this uh, this very important story. Layla, what we've witnessed over the last 24 hours with the story, uh, and it's like so many other examples since uh, October 7th, just when you thought you'd seen the worst the worst uh, shows itself. Uh, explain to us about what's happening here. And they're calling it the flower massacre uh, right now. It's already sort of got this term attached to it. But uh, I just want to get your take on, on what's happened, how and why. 
All right. Um, I don't know why people are surprised with this. This is not the first time that the Israeli occupation forces target civilians, unarmed Palestinian civilians, who go over to aid convoys to bring aid to their uh, families, and they get shot at. This is the fourth or fifth time that we see it. However, this time is of a larger scale. And what happened, according to one of my colleagues, he's a reporter down in uh, North Gaza, he said that they received news that trucks, aid trucks, will be coming in early in the morning filled with flour. And since everybody's starving, you know, basically we have dozens of people who have died of starvation, including children. Um, people, they were so happy that there would be multiple aid trucks with loaded with the flower bags and they went over there since the morning 4 a.m in the morning because they know if they go any later they wouldn't have the chance to grab a bag and go and as you know in the north the israelis always pre-designate where the trucks park they're not allowed to go beyond a certain point so when the trucks reach that point the israelis were there ambushing people and while the people were gathered to take the flower of the trucks the israelis opened fire and killed them and we have hundreds of people who are injured and or killed, uh, including children. The sad part is that I don't know if you've seen the aftermath, the flower bags have turned red because of the blood that's basically uh, spilled uh, on top of them. The Palestinians started running everywhere and they shot them like fish in a barrel. It was an amb ambush. It's not the first time. They did it before, about three weeks uh, and a half ago, four weeks ago, um, uh, at uh, the Kuwait roundabout, when the trucks also came from south to north. The Israelis had given green light for those trucks to arrive to the north. At the beginning of the peripheries at Dwarli Kuwait or Kuwait roundabout, the Israelis opened fire at the civilians, unarmed Palestinian civilians who were taking the aid, and they killed about 13 of them in one go. So this is not the first time, and the Israelis have tried to divert attention by claiming this, remember, this propaganda came one hour later on, that uh, people were told that uh, airdrops will be happening in that area. Well, I don't know of any airdrops that had announced themselves beforehand or in a certain area. The Jordanians always dropped their aid over Tal el Hawa, which is southwest of Gaza City, not in the center or where the car, uh, trucks park, the aid, uh, humanitarian aid trucks park. And they never announce it. They announce it after they do the airdrops. So, and they never do it early in the morning. They do it during the daytime. So all of this propaganda came out to point fingers at a certain side so people would forget that it's the Israelis who did it. Well, guess what? We don't buy their propaganda anymore. This is not the first time that they shoot at unarmed civilian Palestinians when they are taking aid. This is the fourth time, and this is a war crime. And we're not we're not sure how it garnered the name uh, the flower massacre. Um, but uh, as you said, uh, I mean, just the name in itself is horrific. If you consider the people are starving, uh, that's this. I mean, it's it it's unbelievable. Um, but to put put this into context, Layla, because you know, for the last couple of weeks, we've seen the ungodly uh, uh, scene of Israelis. Uh, blocking aid deliveries, Israeli citizens or you know members of the public, uh, blocking aid uh, uh, that's headed destined for for Gaza, saying that they don't want to allow Hamas uh, to get any of this aid. I mean, so it's all kind of being framed, and any food is going to feed Hamas. Therefore, it must be blocked. Uh, I didn't see the Israeli authorities stopping these people, or this went on. This has gone on for weeks, and now we have this. So the context of this seems to be this is kind of a very sort of fanatical so is it a fanaticism that we saw with settlers blocking aid uh this is you have the same fanaticism apparently with the idf shooting people going to get aid that's the only way i can kind of 
describe it unless they were doing something to blame it on Hamas? Uh, was this a potential false flag that went wrong or um, or is this just insidious right right down to the bone? You have to understand there are no civilians in Israel on, above the age of 18 and under the age of 62 or 65. They are all either reservists or people who had served in the army and left or they are active army members. The settlers that were brought over to Karim Abu Salim uh, border crossing to cut the road in the face of humanitarian aid trucks that are supposed or destined to go into Gaza, those are not innocent settlers who are protesting just because they want their loved ones uh, to, to be released or because they don't want aid to go into uh, Gaza to reach Hamas. The idea is that they are being protected by the Israeli occupation forces, the IOF. The Israeli occupation forces never took them out. They never cleared the roads. And that insinuates, if anything, and I wouldn't rule it out, that the Israeli occupation forces were the ones who brought them, and they're using them as an excuse for the aid trucks not to go in. Remember, for almost four months and a half, the Israelis have derailed the entry of those trucks via the uh, uh, Rafah border crossing and the Karim Abu Salim border crossing. For those who think that basically Egypt controls its border crossing, it doesn't. It has it open from its side. However, the trucks that enter from there, they have to divert uh, and go right all the way up 150 meters where they have to stop by an Israeli checkpoint, hand searched by the Israelis and derailed for the longest time. And then the Israelis allow the trucks or they don't allow it to go into Gaza or not. So the idea is that Everything that goes through the border crossings, be it Rafah or be it Karim Abu Salim, is controlled by, by the Israeli occupation forces. Now, we've seen thus the number of uh, trucks dwindle over the past four months and a half. Now they allow five trucks in, and then sometimes for a whole week, nothing gets in. Then they allow 100 in, and they don't allow anything in. So it has nothing to do with the settlers only, but also the Israeli occupation forces, which points out to the fact that they are in league together to derail any aid from coming in, to starve the Palestinians. Prior to October 7, the Israelis were putting the Palestinians on a diet calorie. They only allowed about 500 trucks to get in. That's prior to October 7. And the 500 trucks had to cater to all of Gaza Strip. And that's why almost half of the population of the Gaza Strip was anemic until October 7. And now 500 trucks, which were not enough back in October 7, before October 7, now they're giving them 10 trucks a day, one truck a day. Sometimes they allow in 100. But that has to cater to what? The first batch that, that, that takes it are the 1.4 million people who are gathered in Rafah. Nothing reaches the north, barely anything reaches central Gaza. So they have been starving the Palestinians on purpose, and that's another war crime. No, this this uh, incident is just emblematic of uh, all the abuses and the collective punishment uh, that we've just gotten used to seeing. But this is just so insidious how this has been engineered, this uh, situation. And one hopes, Leila, that, you know, uh, the international media or some of these leading Western countries or, you know, UN Security Council countries, if they have any conscience at all, uh, to look at this situation and say, really, this is just... This, this really should be the straw that breaks the camel's back, this type of an incident. Uh, we haven't seen the full fallout from it yet as it reverberates slowly uh, through the mainstream media. We might maybe get a think piece by the New York Times next week saying, ah, oh, we think this is a really horrible event that happened here. Uh, we're just kind of putting the pieces together, of course. But if you watch uh, social media, uh, Layla, yourself and others, uh, there's, there's not much question as to what happened here. 
but it seems like you've got this delayed reaction constantly with the uh, mainline media, this kind of reticent to kind of call it out for what it is immediately. They like to sit and wait, be patient. You worked in press and media for many years, Layla. What, 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 how, why the restraint? Why the restraint uh, by all of these journalists who have full access to the data and the facts to make a, a, a good enough conclusion as to what went on? What's, what's holding them all back? Um, almost every other international media outlet that I had worked for or worked with as a freelancer, as a fixer, as an employee, they always had these red lines of not pointing the blame against the Israelis, even if the Israeli is standing there shooting the person right on camera, they wouldn't blame them. And I'll give you an example. My dear friend, the late Isam Abdullah, Reuters videographer who was shot and killed by the Israelis back on October 13th. Reuters took seven weeks to do an investigation to understand who killed him and why he was killed and where he was killed. Whereas from the first hour, he was assassinated by the Israelis. He was with a group of journalists on the ground. They were all wearing flag jackets in an open area that you cannot mistake them for anything at all. They were media people. They all worked with international media outlets. They were shelled twice by an Israeli tank that's across the blue line. And I had picked the phone that day, spoke with my sources at UNIFIL because I had worked with the United Nations and Train Forces in Lebanon in the past. And I spoke also with the Lebanese army. The shell was Israeli. It came from an Israeli tank. I directly wrote it online. Reuters, which has all the sources in the world, they took seven weeks to do an investigation just to delay the public anger. And then they announced after that that the Israelis killed him when they could have easily done it the first hour by just calling the right sources, the official sources on the record. That's one thing. Same thing goes for this massacre. You've heard what Ursula von der Leyen uh, basically had said, that this merits, uh, this is really sad, etc. It's a tragic, and that it merits an investigation. Why an investigation? Because it drags on and it absorbs people's anger and feelings. By the time that they announced the results, people would have subsided their anger at one point, and they are now concentrating on something else or something new. That's the first thing. The second thing, the international media tries to cover up for Israeli crimes. I am not going to bank on what New York Times or anybody else next week will issue. We already know who killed him. We saw the drone for, uh, the, uh, shooting, basically covering the whole area. It was an Israeli drone. The Israelis were the ones who released the footage. That's one thing. And at the same time, they always do it when there is media blackout. It was at night, really early dawn, which is really pitch dark. They committed a massacre. And as usual, they are not that smart. Media that came out from their side showed that they were the ones monitoring and shooting. So at the end of the day, what kind of an investigation do you want? What kind of an investigation do you want when you have the Israeli drones that are armed going after people and shooting and killing them? And we've got this uh, this clip from Sky News uh, in the UK. We're going to roll this clip. And they're, they're just umming and eyeing, as you said, uh, Leila. Uh, you know, being careful not to lay the blame at uh, uh, certain countries' feet uh, for what is kind of quite obvious as to what we're looking at here. And then they're going over the footage, but let's roll this clip and uh, we'll we'll get your reaction to this uh, afterwards. But uh, yeah, go ahead and roll this. This is the flower yes, massacre. So far, initially, in was that there was a stampede that caused loads of people to die. Then there was a suggestion that a truck had actually driven by a civilian driver had mown down a load of the Palestinians. Then there was a suggestion that. There Actually, that this was potentially Hamas stealing the aid. What
I mean, seriously. I mean, there you as you said, Layla, right there on global, you know, satellite news, right there. They try to cover up. They try to run propaganda, and then they try to blame anybody but them. And then they try to issue one lie after the other. And every single time we debunk their lies, they come up with a new lie. Well, guess what? I do expect that they will commit other massacres that will make people forget about this one and just their attentions be diverted towards some, something else. This is not the first time they target civilians, as I said. This is not the first time they target civilians this way, where civilians gather to collect aid, humanitarian aid, and they use people's need to ambush them and kill them. The utmost evil you can see in the world is when starving people who have to go and fetch humanitarian aid for their children gets ambushed and killed. It's a war crime under international law when you target and murder civilians. It's a crime under international law. It's a war crime. It's a war crime. And uh, and Leila, I know you 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 were uh, you were discussing this uh, to your colleagues uh, earlier today. And I was uh, listening to part of it, but you're talking about your experience with the 2006 uh, war between Hezbollah uh, and the IDF and the types of tactics that the Israelis were using back then uh, and just the, the viciousness of it. Uh, just give us uh, your your recount of that situation as you recall it. Uh, I think they were hitting uh, crops. They were targeting uh, civilians with cluster bombs and all sorts of things. But uh, can you comment on on that situation as an example of the, the, the length which Israel has gone in the past to sort of, I don't know, just kind of make people suffer? Yeah, I mean, um, I can start with growing up. Back in 1996, when they committed the first Kano massacre, the Israelis targeted the United Nations Interim Forces uh, base where hundreds of civilians, mostly women and children and elderly, were bombed and killed. Hundreds of people died during that massacre, mainly children and later on women as well. And the United Nations interim forces, they have a big UN unifil on their any of their bases in South Lebanon. And they had impunity. The Israelis had impunity over that. They repeated the same thing in 2006. And unlucky for them, I was a reporter at the time and I was on the ground. They committed another massacre. They bombarded Kana again and they killed hundreds of civilians. And they didn't stop over there. They also killed four UNIFIL observers, including a, a Chinese and a Canadian and a French, if I remember correctly, four, four different nationalities. Three belong to the First World War, uh, world, uh, First World, I mean, because they consider us Third World, right? At any point. And then towards the end, towards the end of the 34 days of Israeli aggression on Lebanon, it wasn't a war between Hezbollah and Israel as the Israeli occupation forces try to insinuate. It was an Israeli aggression. They had been planning that aggression for the longest time and they just needed an excuse and we have all the documents to prove that we have all the documents to prove that i was monitoring the southern lebanese front for almost eight eight months i was the one who told hezbollah secretary general said hassan nasrallah that don't you think it's a setup by the israelis they have been moving all their divisions to the southern front for the past eight months so they might use anything as an excuse it was live on camera when i asked him that but to for, let's put that on the side and go to the cluster bombs issue the last days the last day of the Israeli aggression, the Israelis sprayed South Lebanon with 1.5 million cluster bombs and they sprayed olive groves and banana fields. Why? Because during that time, Lebanon had won an award by the European Union to export citrus fruits. Uh, sorry, it's not olive groves, it's citrus uh, groves. So to export citrus groves, uh, basically uh, citrus fruits to the European Union, 
the contender were, were the Israelis and they lost that contract. What did they do? They sprayed all the citrus uh, fields with cluster bombs and they sprayed also the mountains and the valleys of uh, dozens of Lebanese villages. And they refused to hand over the uh, bombardment uh, sites to the United Nations forces and to the Lebanese army. Two winters had passed after they sprayed the whole area with cluster bombs, and then they later on handed over the maps. And why did the Lebanon and the United Nations ask for those maps? So they can go and clear the areas before winter comes. We had mudslides, we had winds, we had rain, shifting the position of those cluster bombs. And as a consequence of that, we had dozens of farmers, dozens of villages, children, uh, shepherds, and even cattle losing limbs, losing their lives because of those cluster bombs. No, no, and I can uh, I can vouch for that as well. I did a report uh, while I was in Lebanon on that very issue, and the, the some of them look like toys, you know, they're like shiny yes. red plastic, orange. So the children might pick them up in fields. This is going on for decades after the fact, isn't it? it in fact, they, they they haven't fully been cleared all these years later, have they? They're still finding them, still looking for them. Well, um, the United Nations Interim Forces and other um, actors on the ground, including the Lebanese army, try to clear as many as possible. But you have to understand the unexploded ordinance or UXOs continue to be found in southern Lebanon in certain areas. You can't uh, at any point uh, go to certain areas because they tell you there's possibility of minefields or cluster bombs. So you have to be very careful. And some of them are small enough to be as big as an AA battery. So the idea is that children would pick anything that's shiny on the ground. And the cattle would walk and tread uh, along the road one times, two times, and then the, the, the mud would slide and then it clears up for, for to reveal the unexploded ordnance underneath it. And the next time the cattle pass from there, they die. And you have to understand this is the livelihood of some of the southern Lebanese uh, villagers and farmers. Yeah, in a really unbelievable situation. Uh... So, look, we've got this situation, which is continuing uh, as well. Just before we break, Layla, we'll go to break in just a moment uh, before we let you go. Uh, uh, is there anything uh, significant happening on the, the southern Lebanese front uh, between the IDF and Hezbollah? Certainly, there's a lot of uh, eyes on this area right now, but uh, your thoughts before we go. Um, well, we have seen a kind of the tit for tat continues. So it's kind of a trenches war still. However, with the recent Israeli escalation against Lebanese uh, civilians, they killed two elderly, uh, an elderly couple, basically a man and his wife, in the town of Kafra, and they killed, uh, they almost killed, nearly killed a whole family by dropping uh, a missile on their house, and that was called caught live on camera. The little child was actually filming a live broadcast with his friends when the missile went literally exploded in the room next uh, next to him and basically he it was caught on camera so the israelis when they claimed that this was um, a hezbollah facility the camera exposed them again they cannot lie forever that's the thing you can lie to some of the people some of the all the time you can lie to all of the people some of the time but you can't lie to all of the people all of the time hezbollah retaliated and so far we've seen four strikes that includes basically strikes next to haifa strikes um, deep into uh, the uh, occupied Palestinian territories on the northern front, and um, they fell six kilometers away uh, from uh, uh, from the energy or basically oil refineries that the Israelis have over there. And it's a message from Hezbollah to tell them, next time we can hit it. It reminds me of the same scenario back in 2006 when Hezbollah bombed next 
to the chemical factory in um, a facility in the northern uh, occupied Palestine. And that was a message to the Israelis. We can hit your facilities, but we're trying to shun uh, the civilians any harm. However, this time, the rules of the game has changed. Hezbollah has announced blood for blood. And that means civilians for civilians, army for an army, and an expansion of war if the Israelis want to. Now we're waiting for strike five. I was speaking to one of, the day before yesterday, I was I spoke to one of my sources and he had told me, expect strike four soon. And I thought, oh, maybe in 48 hours, less than 24 hours, which was yesterday, they did a strike that was uh, six kilometers away from the oil refineries. And now we, we were told, wait for strike number five. So the Israelis are waiting. We saw an attack against Haifa, but when we asked the source, he said, no, this is not strike number five. So let the Israelis wait. Yeah, and that's quite significant in the port of Haifa. Uh, it's one of the sort of key infrastructural points uh, for the Israeli government. So when that comes under threat, what's next? So uh, things are going to get uh, probably more tense uh, in the coming days and weeks. Leila Haitoum, we really appreciate you joining us here on TNT Today's News Talk. Veteran journalist based in Beirut, much appreciated. Thank you for your time. There she goes, ladies and gentlemen. Leila Haitoum. We want to follow her on X Twitter as well. Uh, we've got her ID, her account uh, on our show page and our show post as well at uh, at Twenty One Wire on our Twitter account, and we'll drop that in the TNT chat as well. Uh, you guys want to be following Leila? She's doing some great work as well, and also follow her in X Twitter Spaces uh, on a daily, almost a daily basis as well. There's a lot of reporting, a lot of good information, uh, going in there. Let's take a break right now with the network, however, for our final segment with our legal correspondent in New York, Matthew Russell Lee from inner city press. we got some, uh, movement finally, uh, on the Supreme court decision. Uh, well, will this uh, help Donald Trump in his presidential bid? We shall see. We shall see. A lot of questions from Matt on the other side. I'm Patrick Engineer, your host. We'll be right back. TNT's Timothy Shea. We need a calling in our public sphere. And I'm not calling for, you know, assassinations. I'm not calling for, no, no. What I'm saying is these people need to be exorcised from the public square. We need to stop giving them platforms. We need to stop amplifying their voices. I'm not saying censor them. I'm saying we need to stop listening to them. We need to stop voting for them. Claire McCaskill, newspapers need to stop fact-checking Joe Biden until they fact-check Donald Trump every day on the front page. Earth to Claire, where have you been in the last eight years? The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT. Today's News Talk, we're in the final segment of the final hour 
of this live broadcast. It's been a powerful program, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet. And large uh, things, big moves are afoot in the United States, especially on the legal front. Thank you to Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press for keeping us in the loop on these important issues. I think we've got him on the line right now from the Big Apple, live and direct, Matt Lee. Matt, how are you? How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. You are right. I think this could be peak Trump legal week. Um, I was just counting everything up, getting ready for this. Let me let me let me go. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have time to do it. It's too, too many cases, too many indictments. But there are two cases at the Supreme Court. This is obviously the highest court in the land. Um, one has to do with the ballot question. And there's been a development on that. Uh, Colorado was the first state uh, in which it was said that he couldn't be on the ballot. So he appealed that. It was a, a Supreme Court argument. Actually, I, I, I thought it was a really interesting argument. Most people are predicting that even the anti-Trump judges will say that he can't be on the ballot just because it would open up a huge can of worms. You would start having some states taking Biden off the ballot. It would just create a whole chaos. But in the interim, Illinois this week, one judge, a single judge said that he can't be on the ballot in Illinois, again, because of January 6th, an insurrection and a tie back to the Constitution after the Civil War, where they didn't want uh, rebel rebel flag uh, secessionists like Jefferson Davis to, to be able to be on the ballot. Seems like a long time has gone by, and, and and there's actually a development. I'm going to stop in between. Before the second Supreme Court case, there's a decision in another D.C. court. Uh, I don't know if you're in D.C. I see your your your, your hotel curtains, but the the D.C. circuit. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm far from D.C. I'm okay. I'm, great. I'm far from D.C. All hotel I'm in Moscow. I'm in Moscow. I'm in Moscow. Oh man. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'm going to ask. I'll, I'm going to. I'll, I'll turn the tables on you in a moment. But the um, <laughs> the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, uh, ruled today that um, some January 6th, they call it, the, the most of the media are calling them rioters, whatever whatever they were, it depends. Some people did smash windows, you've seen that footage. Some were just kind of hanging around, but they've been overcharged. There's gonna be some reduction in sentences based on a legal ruling about the meaning of obstruction. So so there's that. The second Supreme Court case is, is, is probably the meteor one. And Trump may lose this one. It has to do with whether he has full immunity. Most people are saying even even some Trump appointees are going to say no. And I, I have to say, I kind of agree with that. I don't think anyone's really above the law. I mean, I don't think you should get indicted for writing the wrong thing on your bank, on your on your checkbook. But I think to argue that no matter what, a president has immunity is, is a pretty strong argument. So that but, but even in that, the Trump haters are angry because by agreeing to accept the, the case and saying briefs are due in April and sort of implying there won't be a ruling until the summer. It basically puts the D.C. January 6th case against Trump kind of on ice, very unlikely that it could certainly reach a verdict before the election. And it's unclear to me if, the, if, if Judge Chutkan would schedule the beginning of a trial in like October if, if Trump is still the nominee and campaigning against Biden. Which he would have a pretty good argument to say, like, put it over until December. And if I win, I'm going to pardon myself. So there's that. Now that's just those are that's just one court. Now we're not we're not even dealing with so. There's, this touches on the underlying D.C. case, but there's also a Florida case. There's a filing due today that I'm on alert to see, which is, I mean, there's the the, the Florida judge, Judge Cannon, who you'll every time basically her middle name or maybe her nickname is uh, that she's a Trump appointee. Um, she's going to be ruling on the timing of that Florida documents case. The case people may have seen the photographs of boxes of documents in a bathroom in Mar-a-Lago. Of course, there's also some Biden photographs of a garage and a car and Hunter Biden. But these documents 
it seems like the, 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 there was a filing this week by the Trump people saying no trial this year. It would be uncon. You know, he's running for office. It would be election interference. And of course, Jack, uh, Mr. Straw wants to go strong. So the judge, I don't know what she's going to do. I have no idea. The main thing is this. There's the Georgia case. I digress. There's the Georgia case for jo- obstructing the Georgia election. But that's been bogged down in this side scandal of the district attorney, Fannie, or as Trump says, Fannie Willis, um, and the special prosecutor she chose. When did their romantic relationship begin? If it began before she picked him, probably there's a problem. Just And if it didn't, then there might not be a problem. There's a big dispute. And, and today, actually, they're having final arguments, but the judge in Georgia is not going to rule soon. I'm, we're getting to it, Joy. We're getting to it, Patrick. There's also the New York. Oh, there's two cases in New York, if you're still following me. One is there's three cases in New York. I take it back. Two are civil, though. They're just money. One is the E. Jean Carroll case, which I covered quite closely because it was here in this courthouse. Uh, and uh, he's he was hit up for eighty three point three million. He's asked for a stay pending appeal not to have to pay the money. Yesterday, Carroll's lawyer said that's ridiculous. Pay the money. And tomorrow, Saturday, he has a reply to the Trump team. And then the judge is going to rule. I think he's going to say, you got to pay. you got to pay even pending appeal or post some kind of a bond. The other civil judgment where he was hit for 355 or it could be 455 if you consider interest, which they do. He's asked for a stay of that. And he's not getting he's going to have to post a bond pending appeal. But he is going to be able to get loans from New York State banks. Finally, a criminal case that will actually take place beginning March 25th, not 500 yards from where I'm speaking to you from, there will be a criminal case against Donald Trump for misreporting hush money payments to porn star, adult entertainment star, excuse me, uh, Stormy Daniels. And that will actually take place. That will be the one case, I believe, that will take place. And I think it's going to be a Rorschach test because even if he loses, um, one, he might not lose because it's set, a jury might say, like, where's the crime here? Um, but it, it, and some juries will say, if it's on the books, I got to enforce it and I hate Trump anyway. Who knows what they're going to do? But even if he loses, I can imagine some of the Republicans who say when polled that they wouldn't vote for a felon saying, but this is not really a felon. This is a misdemeanor charge trumped up, so to speak, into a felony. So I'm sorry for the long tour d'horizon, but uh, there you have it. This is and all of these things impact in one way or another. It allows Nikki Haley to say you're you're what you're spending the party's money on legal defense um, and. The, the, some are hoping it would actually take him off the ballot or knock him off or certainly keep some Republicans home in November saying, you know, I don't know, porn star, uh, Fannie Willis, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this is a this is a beat that just keeps on keeps on giving. Um, I don't know how it can get more more packed, but it's probably true. I bet you there's out there somewhere there's a there's a local district attorney just gunning, just gunning to get get his shot at the at the at the orange man. Yeah, yep, could be some so local DA and could be someone in Bellingham, Washington, or you know, somewhere some far flung yeah. corner of the United States. Or they're you know, pretty there, there's a lot of cases out there in Washington State. Yeah, there's a lot of that's that is a that is a I think that there's a conservative uh I guess NGO, whatever you call it, fighting off the attorney general there, just as there's an LGBTQ uh uh um NGO fighting off the Texas attorney general. Basically America's the legal system has become entirely politicized at this time. Um, the NRA case is another one. I'm not personally, I'll tell you, I'm not a huge fan of the NRA, but it seemed kind of like the guy was a bit corrupt. He paid the money back. 
but basically it's just it's another scalp in the uh and the people the people that want to see gun control they think that's going to bring it about i'm not sure maybe it does maybe it discredits the the gun lobby in some way but it's it feels it feels like the targets are being chosen for political reasons. Uh, I mean, and I say this as a not a I'm not, never not a donor and not a supporter of the NRA, but it still was a bit uh, cheesy, so to speak. So I can't go local, yeah, but sure. I'd rather you go local. What I mean, I'm sure you've told your many your, your listeners, and I don't want to say Navalny. What's happening with this uh, uh, funeral? I, well, let's we, we can we can we can we can we can leave that for, for another time. It, 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 it's a it's a real political spectacle i mean it's just um pretty unbelievable so everything is political and geopolitical anything related to russia that's for sure so you know, all the ambassadors are coming out uh but you know it's funny about that case and uh you know even the head of one of the heads of the ukrainian intelligence said that uh it's likely he died of uh you know natural causes if the there's such a thing uh so there's still some conflicting reports on that but no, it's being seized by the white house as a major you know political set piece no i know they announced uh, yeah they announced a lot of sanctions i did, I did see that sort of, i'm not sure how meaningful they are at this point but they did announce that mm -hmm. i was gonna then let's go in the middle here i don't know is there a moscow eric adams but, but, can, but can, uh, sorry well, no, I, I just want to say that the, what's interesting about the Navalny story is how hard the U.S. and, you know, the NATO stand are pushing that. Um, and at, at the same time, this is Julian Assange's final appeal for extradition, so which has been totally drowned out and completely pushed aside in media terms uh, by the Navalny story. So is that a convenient sort of distraction? And I'm just throwing that out as a rhetorical for uh, somebody who... Uh, understands how the press works i know i mean i i had actually heard another theory I didn't it didn't it didn't occur i don't know how big the mute this could have just been a rumor started by the munich security conference people but they said it came out mm. right before then so it took you know aid to ukraine off the off the off the table i'm gonna i'm gonna steer us out the only mm -hmm. international thing i will tell you is that at in the united nations which which uh which i still continue to cover closely from from the gate so to speak Today, Japan takes over. Japan, an interesting, obviously pretty closely allied with the U.S., but they have been flexing their independent mu muscle and voting, not following U.S. orders, at least to abstain and on, on some other things. So what they do this month will be interesting. But what I can say personally is that they don't, even on their main issue, North Korea, this is like the, the reason that they want to be at the table at the U.N., the reason that they're, they they paid money they've tried everything they can to get a permanent seat at the security council which they're never going to get because china would never allow it and has the veto is because of north korea because they still there's a certain number of 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 of, of kidnappies or uh, yeah detainees uh, that they want to get back and there's also like every once in a while kim jong-un shoots a missile over their island they're not that crazy about it so they're they, they they continue to believe that these these stern warnings from the Security Council are going to stop that. It it hasn't worked yet, and I, I don't see it working. But they're so you'd think that they'd want to like publicize and be more transparent in their their Security Council presence. But that hasn't been my experience yet. But the the, the month is young. This is the first day of the month. I know that you have an interest in Eric Adams. I do too, and it may seem too local to you, but it's all it's it's. There's been a development. There's been two developments. One in the possible federal indictment of Eric Adams possible it's not a sure thing but there have been so far two FBI raids on two aides and there was a new one only this week of his sort of Chinese bag woman a woman who 
raised money for an arch in Sunset Park and in a, in a, in a mall in Flushing. It's all very tawdry, but her, she was raided by the FBI, which indicates that she's a target. Somebody's a target. And here in SDNY, once again, all news comes here. A good ally, a close ally of Eric Adams, known as the Bling Bishop. This is this is far. This is deep in the weeds for you. But he's a very slick. He's a very he's very uh, um, um, he's very articulate. He was once robbed of a fifty thousand dollar gold watch while live streaming a church service in Brooklyn. So in this sense, he was a victim. But the turnabout is that what he's using his church for, it appears, is to fleece the congregants. And so the, they brought federal charges against him. Everyone thought this would be a brick in the Eric Adams um, wall because one of the charges is that is that he was he said to a Bronx businessman, five hundred thousand dollars, Eric will hook you up. I think he did say it. And I think now this guy doesn't want to testify, it goes round and around. But the defense is that Eric wasn't in on it. This was just the pastor out on his out on his lonesome. But there's a lot of pictures of them together. And it's one of these things. It's it's pure New York story. And again, as all New York stories does, it comes down to real estate. He fleeced a congregate by promising that he would get her a home, took $90,000 in, in her retirement, and never did a thing. And when the, son can, can, when the son complained, he said, God's vengeance will come down on you, which hasn't yet happened because the son was testifying. So I'm sorry, this is anyway, from, the, from the high, the high uh, legal drama of the Trump down to the nitty gritty of Mr. Eric Adams and his bling, bling bishop. Wow, what's that going to do to Eric Adams' prospect for a presidential run in 2028? Uh, that's what I want to know. Yeah, I know he's, he's very charismatic. He's, uh, he's pondering. He's pondering the uh, yeah. yeah presidential run. Yeah, and he's he's triangulating. He's he's here. His main opponents are 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 actually to, from the left. He's this week only this week he came out and said maybe we should turn over. Uh, migrants who commit crimes to the to the to immigration, which has been not the New York City law for like 20 years. Not very popular to say it, but he's he's sort of he's looking for the sort of like, um, you know, unspoken, unspoken feeling of outer borough New Yorkers. And of course, this plays as, as Trump will demonstrate to you have doing a much more extreme version of it. Uh, it plays pretty well out in the uh, out in the hinterland. I mean, let's go back to the politics of the Trump of Trump. It's Basically, I don't know when uh, Super Tuesday is, is is March 5th, and that's the big one. That's the big kahuna. That's when many, many states vote. Uh, Nikki Haley said, and she, as she says herself, she's a woman of her word. She's a woman of her word that she was not she was going to stay until till, till Super Tuesday, even though she's lost all the primaries, mostly by 20 points or, or greater. This is the one. Um, the Koch brothers, Koch brothers, big funders have pulled their funds. They've said, you've got no chance. We're going to, they're not funding Trump, but they're going to fund like other candidates and try to get, you know, so they can, water could be polluted, different things that they're in favor of those guys, destroying public transportation, just letting you know, but they, they pulled it. So that's a bad blow for her. And I, I don't know what, what the future holds. I think that she wants to now just leave the memory that she stood up to Trump. If something happens, she's available to come back in from wherever she'll be chilling out and she'll certainly be available in four years and it might who knows what the politics will be by then who knows what uh, revisionism or uh, a a nasty taste of a second trump term might might lead people to vote 
Well, maybe, you know, but, Nikki can uh, start a GoFundMe campaign and pick up that extra slack that the, the it's a Coke brother, by the way, singular brother. Sorry. Oh, uh, there's oh only, well, I'm sorry. There's I forgot. One. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. There used to be, too. Yes. I mean. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we've been saying it all whole life. It's hard to change uh, after all these years. It's like Prince Charles was still Prince Charles to me, even though he's the king. Uh, I've been calling him Prince Charles for like, you know, my whole life. So uh, yeah. he'll always be Prince Charles uh, to some people. But yeah, the Koch brother, the Koch brother. Uh, yeah, that, so the money's drying up for Nikki. She's going to run anyway. She's got to keep in the public eye, Matthew, you see, because that's what it's all about. She's auditioning for something either in the short term or, or long term not sure but um yeah so she's definitely it's gonna be a vicious it's herself. gonna be a drumbeat tuesday it's gonna i don't know how she's gonna give all those concession speeches there'll probably just be one one you know balled up one and i don't know again she could stay in i mean i don't no one could no one you know could or should there was a big as you might actually like that there was a big protest you know big protest vote but biden at least at least 11 percent of democrats in michigan since last we spoke uh, did did none of the above based on 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 genocide Joe's uh, Gaza Gaza moves. So he's he's taking it from both sides, but that makes him feel pretty pretty good about himself. You may have seen the footage where licking an ice cream cone. He promised a a he 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 predicted. Did he say by the end of the week or by Monday? I couldn't between the, the licking. He said by, he said by Monday. He said by Monday. Okay. No, he said he said he said by the weekend, and then he quickly changed his mind because Joe's yeah. spry like that. He can change his mind totally. and turns on a dime. Words. He can correct in mid sentence, which is one of his great uh, skills. And he said, "No, it'll be on Monday. It'll be on Monday." And they just took a big lick out of the side of that sort of <laughs> hazelnut. There's something he Joe. feels that yeah that project. He thinks that that projects. I mean between the sunglasses and the, and the and the ice cream cone. It did work for him. I think that when he was vice president, people thought he was somehow like cool. It, it's not really uh, mixing it's not cool. Gaza it's with, cre with it's the creepy, ice cream. Matthew. Let's be <laughs> it's honest. Creepy. It's creepy, There's a lot of, right? Is it, yeah, is it creepy? It's it's pretty creepy. I mean, crap. Let's call it crap. It's a, or crap. It's a, it's a kind of a cone. I thought it was a bit too staged. I think when they captured him ostensibly – you know, kind of off the cuff in Delaware, licking a cone was one thing. I think to come to New York and plan your Gaza announcement while licking a cone is pretty creepy. I have to say, no, no, I know. The, the UN is. You've totally. Yeah. You know, hold on, you nailed right. that, Matthew. You know it, that that right. started as an off the cuff fluke, and his advisors, in their infinite wisdom, said, "Hey, Joe, let's really work on the ice cream thing." And they've been hamming up the ice cream thing like literally for the last totally. two and a half years. So it's like, you're right. It wasn't supposed to be anything. And now it's become part of his whole sort of, you know, uh, persona. But it's the it's just it's not working. It's uh, it's really off putting. Actually, I can't see this uh, flying well with the youth. Uh, hence, he's uh, doing so well in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, you're right. It's, as with anything once. A, I mean, but then you could go with Trump. Trump tried his uh, paper towel throwing in, in, in Puerto Rico. You're, this is getting down to the weeds of memes. That one didn't work that well. The sort of like, whoa, here you go. 99 cent rolls of, of paper towels. People, people, read. there's, there's a, some troubling footage. See, I, I, I try to view both sides memes of, of Trump sort of, sort of limping, sort of dragging his leg behind him. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I think that the the attempt, the, the goal here is to say, like, they're both old. So go with the, mm -hmm. the, the, the least the less incendiary old guy. That's kind of it's a, it's a it's not much of a campaign slogan, but who knows? You know, all you need is 50. I think, I think Joe's Joe's 
Joe's the incendiary candidate. I mean, genocide Joe, it's all in the name. How many U.S. bombs <laughs> have dropped? I, I don't want to make a joke about yeah. it, but yeah. it's true. No, no. This I, is the I most totally incendiary hear. presidential candidate maybe in history. I mean, he's, no, one's, no one's bombed like Joe Biden has. Literally. Yeah. There's actually, I'm trying to think, I think it's Raskin. He's taking some... He's taking some fire, some fire. Oh, no. You know who it is? Here's a name you haven't heard in a long time in U.S. politics. Tim Kaine. Do you remember Ooh. Tim Kaine? He's still in That there. was Hi Tim Hillary Clinton's uh, big vice presidential pick. I could I, I, When so I much, saw him, I was, I so was like, how do you know that guy? Time. He looks like yeah, a guy out of one of the Batman uh, movies. But I couldn't, I couldn't quite place him. No, he, he, no, he, he looks like Mr. Uh, and the Joker as a hybrid. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's something. Anyway, he 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 burst into the news again, taking on Biden and saying that it, that it was totally improper to cite self-defense for hurling extremely expensive missiles at the Houthis. That if you're defending other countries' commercial ships, it's not self-defense. So there was Tim Kaine. I actually heard he's kind of he's a Jesuit. He was like a Peace Corps guy. He's an it. It didn't work. Mm. The campaign didn't work, and I, he didn't really leave much of it. Literally. I follow it, and I was like, "Who is that guy? Who the fuck?" You know, he's, he yeah, hasn't he's really. Probably, he's uh, gone to. Go ahead. Be, 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 yeah, he's a, yeah. I think he's got Jesuit background. I, th I think that's correct. Yeah. 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 No, he's absolutely. He was kind of. He was, he, he's. Oh, you know. Okay. So here, I, I, I've helped. I like Tim Kaine, man. I like. I mean, okay. I like him on a whole yeah. bunch of a whole bunch of policies, but uh, he's still Hillary Clinton's VP pick. So I mean. Yeah, I, I can't exactly, but I, I'm sorry. I have to. I've held myself back because I think I've become insufferable. I'm actually these days spending much of the day uh, live tweeting this Honduras president narco trial. It's pretty interesting. I think. There are people, I think, that were looking for for not just Trump coverage, but other kind of coverage that are like, "Whoa, too many narcos." But it's 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 pretty wild. The Sinaloa cartel was paying money to this guy while he was the president of Honduras and pretending and sort of playing a double game and extraditing people. And today they wheeled out a a, a the the son of the former president of Honduras. The former president is called Pepe Lobo. You may not be that into Honduran politics, but he was the president, and his son, who had been a judge decided to traffic drugs while his father was president because, you know, why not? I mean, it makes me think, obviously, Hunter Biden, like, look, a, a crack pipe and some some points. Well, that's one thing. This guy was like moving thousands of kilos and then he was paying bribes to 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 to. Um, and he's turned on his father when he initially he came, he was he was arrested in Haiti as these things worked for whatever reason, he had gone to pick up some drug money in Haiti and the DEA grabbed him, brought him to the United States. He pled guilty and was sentenced to 24 years. And then after six years in jail, he reached out to the prosecutors and said, I'm ready. If I, if I testify for you and tell you nothing but the truth, will you reduce, can you, can my sentence be reduced? Turns out it can, it's not, you don't have to decide to cooperate from day one. You can, you can, you can make a, a pitch later. And so they brought him up from Florida to a jail in New Jersey. They drive him in every day and he's freaking he's hammering his father, which is that's everything I'm putting as like people from Honduras are like, oh, my God, did he say that? Because it's it, it, it's there. It's like beyond Trump. It's like the former president. Like it's all it's like, oh, my God, they met with the, the Sinaloa cartel in a, in a in a in a fancy hotel. And and, and a lot of people were killed. I mean, these the various witnesses here have have confessed to like 78 murders in one case, 56 in another. It's it's really I'm so I have to say I, I've felt I've gone down a rabbit hole and I'm I probably will be putting out a book to be called Narco Presidentes and there's some 
footage, everyone wants to tie him to Trump. But there's, if you'll see like the Guardian, the Guardian says, you know, he was a Trump ally, this Juan Orlando Hernandez, but he was president from 2013 on. He was a pretty good ally of, of, of Obama and there's pictures of him with Biden. So the, the title is not Narco Presidente, but Narco Presidentes. That's just a little tease for you, but it's, 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 it's been engrossing. That's all I can say. It's, it's, and it's sometimes hard to like turn on the dime and take like, you know, real estate swindling by Eric Adams playing Bishop seriously, but it takes all kinds. And thank God we live in a country where many of the big problems are like overwrought people rushing at the Capitol. And I was, they tried to turn that into like, I mean, this is, this is a, a country absolutely controlled by drug cartels, at least at the time. And, and some say still, mm. so that's my, that's the little Honduras castor oil for you. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, parts of America are, uh, are under the control of the drug cartels as well. Uh, probably thinking about a couple of border states and maybe quite a few politicians, sheriffs, who knows, maybe parts of the DEA. I mean, that never happened. All that stuff, the Iran-Contra affair, the uh, flooding. No, no. Oh, sure. Absolutely. The city of Los Angeles. I mean, we got got quite a history north of the border mm -hmm. uh, with all of that stuff. There. Gary but, Webb. Yeah, are, it, you, are you referring to Gary Webb? Shout Gary out. Webb, the, the, well, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a, I mean, I may have forgotten the death of the Koch brother, and God forgive me, but to Gary Webb, I deserves a shout out. This Mostly because he he did this incredible reporting for this Mercury New, you know, San Jose Mercury San Jose, News. San Jose Mercury News, once a great newspaper. Shout out to them. And then he was under fire, and, and I think, I don't know if he committed, so I know that he was, really driven it, it, he's it's a tragic story of, of of journalism not not only not defending but absolutely just driven into the toilet and it was probably one of the best you know series anyone wrote that decade and yet the, the what i'm always and I, this is going to be i'll tell you more about this in coming weeks there is a whole industry that says it's supporting freedom of the press and independence of journalists and they basically just support the big guys that's all i can say it's not they're, they're, the the follow-through is lacking and I say that not only as a person banned from entering the UN, despite press freedom groups still going in and partying hard with Antonio Guterres, but even in other fields, there's a lot to be done for freedom of the press. And Assange is, of course, one example. Gary Webb is another one. Hopefully, there you know not everything is as extreme as that, but it, it's it's important that it be defended each and every place. I think we can yeah, we can sure. kumbaya on that one. I he said licking his ice cream cone. Mm, we played that clip in the first hour. It was uh, really oh, spooky. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gary, great to bring up uh, Gary Webb, uh, Dark Something. I can't recall the name of that uh, series. It was Dark, the, the Dark Something, uh, the Dark Agenda or something like that. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, he made huge personal sacrifices to get that story. And uh, in the end, uh, yeah, it took his life, uh, actually. Yeah. So no one, uh, yeah, no one defended Amazing. Him. Yeah, he went down. Oh, here's a, okay. In a less, this is probably less. Yeah, we're, we're, we we run out of time. Oh. Matt, Matt, Matt. Okay. We're going to wrap Sorry. it up. Let's say okay, hold okay. that thought. Matthew Lee, hold that thought. It sounds like you wanted <laughs> to get that one out, but you're going to have to wait till next week. Okay, but, no uh, problem. Matthew It'll Russell still be Lee here. City Press. Follow Matt on his Substack. There's some great material coming out right now. Follow him on X Twitter as well. Really appreciate you joining us this week, Matt. Definitely, absolutely. And I'll hold, it'll hold, it'll keep. It's going nowhere.
Matthew Russell Lee, also Nico House, Nadia Clock, uh, all the people joining us this week uh, on the live Le- Layla Hatoum, which has been a powerful show. It's been an epic week, in fact. So thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank you for your listenership, your viewership. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host, signing out. I hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll try to do so on our end, and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place.